He said, heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never pass away. And so, Lord, we choose to build our lives on your word. We choose to be like that wise man that you talked about, Jesus, who built his house upon the rock, hearing and doing the word of God. That was the wise man. And so, Lord, we purpose to be like that wise man, to hear your word and to act on it and to do it. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who is our teacher. And I thank you, Lord, for utterance right now that I would speak your word clearly and accurately to your people. And I thank you for giving us understanding tonight. And we thank you that your word will bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And everyone that agreed said, amen. amen. Praise God. All right. Well, we, excuse me. We are going to read. I should, have not, I should have remembered this. We are going to read two verses out of Ephesians. And that's where we're going to start tonight. So Ephesians 1. Did I give you that one? Is that on our list? Okay, good. Ephesians 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how the book of Ephesians begins. And we used to, there used to be this joke. I didn't, I didn't make up the joke, but I heard it and repeated it several times where he says to the saints who are in Ephesus and the, go back in verse one there, it says to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. And somebody said, well, that means he was talking about the people that come to church on Wednesday night when he says the faithful in Christ Jesus. So we can use that joke tonight because it's Wednesday night and you're here. And so consider yourself faithful. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, so the book of Ephesians, what, what he says here, he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus. And so the book of Ephesians is written to the saints, to the believers, or to, we could say, to the church in Ephesus. Um, the birth of that church and other things about this church uh, is found in the Bible, uh, but outside the book of Ephesians. And so uh, we're going to look at all of that and get some, I think, some really good background for this study. Uh, so first of all, just to, just to give you a, a little bit of a picture, too, and an idea, Ephesus was a coastal city uh, in a region called Asia Minor, uh, which is modern-day Turkey. It's actually on the west, uh, the west coast of Turkey. And uh, you, you, some of you know, maybe all of you know, that my daughter, uh, Scarlett, was a missionary in Turkey for some time. She was in more in central Turkey in a region called Cappadocia, which you can also find on Bible maps. Um, and so she was in that area. But she made some trips down to the, uh, to the coast there. It's on the Aegean Sea. And uh, she didn't go to Ephesus, I don't think. Maybe she did. Maybe she did go to Ephesus. But there's another area that they, that they went to a couple of times. But, uh, but that's where it's at. It's a coastal city on the Aegean Sea near the Mediterranean, western side of Turkey, uh, a region that was known then as Asia Minor. or call, It's called Asia Minor, but it's modern-day Turkey. But in the Bible, that region is just called Asia. So when you hear that, so when you read in the Bible and some verses that we're going to read here, where it says Asia, it's not talking about China and Japan, what we would normally think of as Asia. It's talking about Asia Minor, uh, which is again modern day Turkey. That is that region. So so let's get into it. So we'll start in Acts chapter eighteen. 
Acts 18, verse 18, it says, So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Centuria, for he'd taken a vow. And he, verse 19, And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So this is the first time that we see Ephesus mentioned in the Bible. It's here in Acts 18. And Paul goes to the, into the city of Ephesus and he goes into the Jewish synagogue. We're going to read a scripture in a few minutes that explains why he did that. That was his strategy every time he went to a new place, a new city or to a new region. And so it says he came to Ephesus and left them there, talking about uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, it says, but, uh, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep the coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. So, so Paul makes a short visit uh, to the city of Ephesus doesn't stay there long, goes into the Jewish synagogue and um, it says he, he goes in there and he reasons with the Jews in the Jewish synagogue. Now, Ephesus is a Gentile city, of course. Uh, that, that region is Gentile, but there were, you know, the Jews had, been, had, had begun to be scattered abroad into other, other lands. And, and so the, there were Jews living in Ephesus. And so, of course, they had established a synagogue. And so that's the very first place that Paul went. And uh, we don't know exactly how long it was there, but it was just a short time, obviously, maybe a couple of weeks. Uh, but, he, but he makes a promise. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back, God willing, okay? And actually, <coughs> actually, he had wanted to go there and into the region of Asia or Asia Minor uh, previously. And so we'll go back and look at that. In Acts chapter 16, uh, talks about uh, talks about that. In Acts 16 and verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were, look at this now, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And so that Asia that they're talking about is Asia Minor, of which Ephesus was the most prominent city uh, in Asia Minor. So it's very likely he wanted to go into Ephesus. We know for sure uh, that he wanted to go into that region of Asia Minor. But it says he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. I guess God didn't want those Asians saved, right? No, <laughs> that's not the reason. We'll find out the reason here in a moment. After they had, next verse says, after they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia. But again, the Spirit did not permit them. So notice this, it's so they were, they were <coughs> forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. The Spirit didn't permit them to go into to Bithynia. And so, you know, I wonder how that happened. Now, if you would, uh, if you would talk to a lot of Christians today, they would say, oh, well, it must have been the circumstances. You know, the camel they were riding on must have had a flat tire. God must be telling us that we shouldn't go into Asia because our camel had a flat tire on the way. This must be God telling us we shouldn't go. Circumstances. Was it circumstances that, that uh, forbid them from going into 
Asia? Was it circumstances that the Spirit did not permit them to go there? Or rather, was it the inward witness? Because this same Paul that wanted to go there but was forbidden wrote this to the Romans. In Romans 8, 14, he says, For as many as are led by circumstances, these are sons of God. So Paul's wanting to go into, into Asia, into Ephesus to preach the gospel, but he's forbidden by the Holy Spirit because of circumstances. For as many as are led by circumstances. The, no, Paul wasn't led by circumstances. Paul didn't teach believers to be led by circumstances. He taught us to be led by the Spirit of God. And he told us how that happens in verse 16. He says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So when they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm convinced it was an inward witness that they had. They're, they're making plans to go into Asia, and Paul is like, I, I don't know, I'm not sure why, but there, I, just, I just have a check about this. There's just something on the inside of me I just, uh, this inward, I know it's the Lord. I know it's the inward witness. We, we, we don't need to go right now. Same thing when they tried to go into Bithynia, okay? So, so what was going on was, did God not want those people in Bithynia and in Asia to hear the gospel and be saved? Well, no, verse 8 explains it, verses 8 through 10. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas and in a vision... And a vision, verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And so God, not only by the inward witness here, but God can speak to us through visions. And so he, he gives him something a little more spectacular here. <laughs> and he says, uh, uh, has a vision uh, during the night. And a man, it's a man from Macedonia. I don't know how Paul recognized where he was from, whether it was from what he was wearing or or his, his uh, physical features or what, but he recognized a man from Macedonia. Maybe he, maybe he had on a Macedonia Pirates baseball team you know, cap. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but anyway, he said, uh, uh, the man said, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, now after he'd seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. What was it? It was a matter of timing. It was a matter of what God was doing in opening the doors. God knew who was ready at the time to hear the gospel. God knew, and now eventually Paul got to those other places, but it, but it was timing, and it was time for them to go into Macedonia. And so they did. So they went into the city of Philippi. You remember? Uh, in, in Acts chapter 16, they go into Philippi, they go to Macedonia, and the most prominent city in the, in the region of Macedonia or the state of Macedonia was a city named Philippi. Remember what happened at Philippi? They're, they're going in there to preach the gospel. They cast the devil out of a, of, a, of a girl that's possessed with a spirit of divination, and they get put in prison for it. Now, again, if they're led by circumstances, you know, Paul and, Paul and uh, Silas in the prison there, Silas could have said, Paul, I, I knew I shouldn't have listened to you. I knew we should have gone to Asia instead of coming over here. Look at this mess you've got us in. But they're not moved by circumstances. Amen? 
and we can't be moved by circumstances. Well, everything worked out, so it must have been God. Things weren't going right, so it must not have been. You can't always judge by that. Amen? We have to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, eventually, everything will work out if we follow God, but it might not look like it at the time, so we can't be led by circumstances. We have to learn to be led by the Spirit of God, led by the inward witness. Amen? Amen. Praise God. You didn't know we were going to get all this in the book of Ephesians, did you? Without having reading, without reading anything in Ephesians. But this is good stuff. Amen. So let's go back to uh, Acts 19. So Paul does make his way back to Ephesus eventually. And in Acts 19 and verse 1, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus. And so he apparently, evidently, he didn't, he didn't go by ship across the sea and, go to the, and land at the, at the port there. He eventually took the, took the uh, you know, inland route and went, went, through, went up through that way and got there, I guess through Syria. Uh, you could get there going that way. And so apparently that's the way they went. And he says he passed through the upper regions and he came to Ephesus and finding some disciples... See, because he'd only been there briefly, went into the synagogue that few times, some months or possibly a year or more earlier, and so really didn't have any, didn't know what was going on there, but he found some disciples and he said, oh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, oh, wait a minute, and what then, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. See, they, that's all they had heard. They didn't even know. You know, Paul had not gotten to these people, obviously, when he was there in that, that brief time before, and they didn't even know about Jesus yet. They just knew about John the Baptist. They just knew that he was coming, or that he came, and, and that he was talking about someone coming after him, that Jesus would come, or that a Messiah would come. And so they got baptized in John's baptism, a baptism of repentance. And so verse 5, when, uh, so, or verse 4, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they get saved, they believe on Jesus, they're baptized in water, and then verse 6 says, and, because wait, there's more. Amen. And we sang about it tonight. Greater is he that is within me. Amen. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. So there was, so there was 12 of them there, 12 people that, that heard the gospel, the, 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 the full story, not just about Jesus' coming, not just about John the Baptist, but they heard that Jesus had come, he had died on the cross for, our, for, uh, for the forgiveness of our sins, he had been risen from the dead, they got baptized uh, in water, they believed on Jesus, got baptized in water, Paul laid his hands on them, they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues and prophesied, there was 12 of them, and that's the birth of the church of Ephesus. You just saw it happen right there. The church of Ephesus was born with 12 people. And this was the beginning of what became a remarkable ministry and a, and a remarkable working of God in the city of Ephesus because we're going to keep reading about what happened there here in Acts 19. 
Very next verse. In verse 8, it says, And he went into the synagogue and spoke. So he goes back to that synagogue that he had visited earlier, you know, but uh, in, in Acts 18 that we read about. He went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Now, again, why did Paul go into the synagogue first? If you read through the book of Acts, you find out, what again, whatever, whatever city or region they went into, first place he would go was to the Jewish synagogue. And uh, part of it is he's reasoning, okay, I'm going to find people at least that are seeking God here. We'll at least start there. We'll at least find some people that want to know about God because they're coming to the synagogue. But he also had this mandate in, uh, that, he, that he talks about in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. So look at this. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Notice this next statement, for the Jew first. For the Jew first. Well, that is God's plan. I mean, we, we talked about this when we did a series recently. Uh, you know, last, uh, I know it was last year, but it's still been recently. Back in the fall, we did a series on God's plan for Israel, how God raised up, God chose Israel and called, chose the Jewish people and called them and, and, and to use them uh, for the, for the, to accomplish his purpose that all the nations of the earth might be blessed through them. And it was through the Jewish people that we got the Bible and that we got our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So naturally, so of course, God wants the Jewish people to get in on this first. They're the ones that brought it forth for us. They're the human instruments. They're the nation. They're the people that God used to bring the revelation of his word and to bring the Savior into the world. So naturally, God would want them to get in on it first. But many of them rejected it. And, uh, uh, but yet Paul followed that mandate. He said it's to the Jew first, and it, but it's also for the Greek. Thank God. Thank God we got in on it. Amen? Praise God. Back to, back to Acts 19. <laughs> so he goes into the synagogue, he reasons in the synagogue for three, spends three months doing that. All right. Verse nine. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples. So those that had believed, he said, okay, boys, we're getting out of here. They'd been meeting every Sabbath in the synagogue. And he says, okay. And, and, and he, he was facing opposition. A lot of the Jews were were, were hardened, or some, it says, were hardened and didn't believe, and they were speaking evil of, what, what, of, of uh, the way, which Christianity at that time was called the way. All right? They were speaking evil of it before the multitude. He says, okay, let's, let's get out of here. It says he departed and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And that was a, uh, now that's not a dinosaur. That's not Tyrannosaurus rex. Okay, <laughs> Um, someone named Tyrannus had a, had a school and, and he obviously was a Gentile. And so they met, instead of meeting every Sabbath, they said, well, we can have service every day now. We don't have to wait to the Sabbath. We can meet every day. And he says, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And look at what happened when they did that, when they started that. The next verse says, and this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia, again, Asia Minor, what we know as modern-day Turkey, at least, the, at least the western part of what is modern-day Turkey. So a big region, multitudes of people, 
all of them, all who dwelt in Asia, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. In the space of two years, that entire region was saturated with the gospel. Praise God. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Amen. So, so some, obviously some people came there to Ephesus, to, that, to the school of Tyrannus, where Paul was teaching every day and preaching every day. But you know what else was happening? A lot of people, after they came in and got saved and got filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what they did? They went out. They went out. Because Paul was, was giving them the Great Commission. Paul was following the Great Commission, and he was teaching the followers of Jesus to obey that Great Commission as well. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so they, they did. Many went out with that message. And so we, this is what we have an example of here is the very first missions evangelism school. Praise God. And uh, let's keep reading now. Verse 11, very next verse, verse 11. <coughs> now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So there was a great, uh, a great healing uh, ministry that was taking place there as well. Handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from Paul's body, saturated with the anointing of God during those services that they were having there. And they would take them out to, to the, to the sick. And they were, it says the, the diseases were healed. It says the diseases left them. Evil spirits went out of them by that, by the anointing that had, uh, saturated those, that, 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 those pieces of cloth there, the handkerchiefs and the aprons that were taken from his body to the sick. Praise God. So miraculous things were happening. Verse 13. Then some of the Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. <coughs> also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And so they saw the results that Paul was having. They saw that, that evil spirits were being cast out. And they knew how it was happening. They saw that it was being done through the name of Jesus. Except these guys had not embraced Jesus yet. These guys had not been born again yet. But they were, you know, they made a living. They, were, they traveled around and they would do all this hoodoo and stuff and try to deliver people. All right. And they said, well, let's try this. Let's put this in our repertoire. We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. All right. Verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? <laughs> bah! <laughs> then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. They realized, hey, this is not just some religion. This is not just some game that we're playing. This is real. This is real power. There's real power in what Paul is preaching. There's real power in the name of Jesus. And it's not something you can play with. It's something that you have to be committed to. 
It's something that you have to embrace. It's something that you have to give your life to. Praise God. And so they, they saw this. And uh, it says, uh, uh, the name of the, it says, fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Look at verse 18. And many who had believed. So these, the, the church at Ephesus is growing. The gospel's getting out. People are believing. People are getting saved. And yet these people had been pagans. They'd followed pagan practice. They were not Jews. They were Gentiles that were getting saved. And they'd been following in the past. They'd followed these pagan practices. But look at what happened. Many of those, it says, many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. There was a great move of holiness among the people that had believed. They said, they realized the fear, of the, the fear of God came on them and they recognized, look, this is not something that we can play with. And that those who were dabbling in sin confessed their deeds, it says. And the people that were dabbling still in witchcraft and, and, the, and the things of the occult, they brought their witchcraft books that had their spells and incantations and all that stuff. And they put them in a big pile and, and, and burned them. And it was, 50, it was the, all the books were worth 50,000 pieces of silver. I don't know how much a piece of silver was worth. Uh, possibly more than a day's wage each piece. So that we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of books. But they got rid of them. Nobody forced them to. They knew they needed to. They were compelled in their hearts to. And look at what happened as a result. The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed in the city of Ephesus and in that surrounding region. Praise God. And so we're going to keep reading here. We'll skip down to verse uh, 23. And I didn't write all those or copy all those scriptures in my notes because there's so many we're going to read here. I'll read it straight out of my Bible. But we'll go down to verse 23. It says, And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. For a, for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. So they're making a living off of doing what? Making idols. Making silver idols of these false gods, Greek gods, whatever, in the culture of that day, Roman gods, Greek gods, and they're making these idols, and it's a nice business for the craftsmen, all right? And um, so they brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together, this man named Demetrius, called all the craftsmen together with the workers of similar occupation and said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people. What a great, uh, what a great testimony that is that this man made about the ministry of Paul. Look at this. He says, has persuaded and turned away many people, saying they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, 
But also, he tries to wax noble here and say, well, it's not about the money. It's about the honor of our God. All right. Uh, But also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom, uh, whom all Asia and the world worship. Listen, if you're afraid your God's going to be killed, then you're worshiping the wrong God. If you're afraid your God's going to be destroyed, you're worshiping the wrong God. All right. Now, when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's traveling companions. And when Paul wanted to go into, go to the, into the people, the disciples would not allow him. Then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, so see, the, the gospel and the word of God had reached into the higher levels of, of the government here because some of the officials of Asia, they were Paul's friends, and they said, no, don't, don't go into the theater. All the people have gathered in there. They've, they've gathered a mob together. And so uh, they, they pleaded with him. They would not venture into the theater. Verse 32 Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused and most of them didn't know why they had come together. Think about that. They're in there shouting and screaming and ready to fight, but when you ask them, what are you fighting about? We said, uh, we don't know. (laughs) You know, that's the way it is today. The devil tries to stir up confusion and stir up a mob and most people are ignorant about what they're fighting for. From the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. Mindless imbeciles. As Rush Limbaugh used to put it, young skulls full of mush. Bless their hearts. Amen. So here, so they're, they're having, they're, so they don't know why they've come together. Verse 33. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude for the Jews putting, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out for two hours. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. They started shouting that and they they shouted that for two solid hours. And when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Zeus. Oh, yeah, really? No, it was that guy that, that has the silversmith shop that made it, and he, I guess he put it up on the highest hill and rolled it down the hill, and said, well, look what fell down out of heaven. I can make you one for a small fee. <laughs> right? All right. Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly, For you've brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if... See, they weren't really speaking against uh, Diana. They were just preaching for Jesus. And when the people got saved, they realized, hey, we we don't need to do all that stuff. We found the true God. We don't have to mess with all this stupid religion. We can know God for ourselves. And he's living in our hearts. And he's given us, giving us his peace and his love. And he's transformed our lives. Amen. Now we're getting in touch with the true God. Amen. Praise God. All right. Uh, and he says, uh, 
Verse number 38, therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open, they're proconsuls, let them bring charges against one another. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it should be determined in the lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we may give to account for this disorderly gathering. And, and all of them were under the jurisdiction of Rome, so they were all going to have to answer to the Roman authorities for this, all right? Verse 41, and when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So, so we, see the, we see the gospel, we see the message of Jesus absolutely impacting the culture in Ephesus in a way that caused a great uproar here. And uh, again, those that were making a living, uh, crafting those idols, they realized they were going to go out of business uh, people were getting saved. People were turning from those idols to serve the true and the living God. Hallelujah. There, so there was a great move of God taking place in Ephesus that started with Paul going there and preaching and 12 people getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Think about that. All right. So first verse of chapter 20. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go into Macedonia. So Paul leaves. He's been there for over two years. He spent three months uh, reasoning in the synagogue. He leaves there, goes into the school of Tyrannus, and there for two years, he's teaching daily in the school of Tyrannus. In that time span, everybody, all the people, Jews and Greeks uh, that live in Asia, hear the gospel and hear the word of God. And so he moves on now, goes into Macedonia. And then we skip down into the 17th verse of Acts 20. Uh, and he's, he's wanting to get back to Jerusalem. God's, God's compelled him. The Lord is leading him to go back to Jerusalem. And he's on his way back there. And instead of stopping off back in Ephesus, which he would love to do, Instead, it says in verse number 17, it says, from Miletus, so he's in a town called Miletus. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And so by now, again, over this period of time, the church is just uh, continuing to grow and to grow. And, uh, and, and so the elders here that he's referring to are, are really the pastors. We could really look at it like this. It would be like saying the church in coming. Well, the church in coming is not, does not meet in one facility, in one building. The church in coming is made up of all the true believers of, in Jesus in the city of coming. And there are many local churches and each local church has a pastor. That's who these elders were that he was calling to meet with. He was having a, really having a pastor's conference with all the pastors of the, of the local churches there in Ephesus of the, of the whole church in Ephesus. All right? And we know their pastors will read. We'll see that in verse 28 when we get down there. But let's read, uh, let's read through this in verse 17. <coughs> from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for, the, called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, 
testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. One translation says, I have but one message that's both to the Jews and the Greeks, repentance from sin and faith toward God. Amen. That's the gospel. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, (laughs) except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Verse 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I want to point, uh, stop on this verse. What verse is that now? It's on the screen here. It's Acts what? It's what? 2024. What year are we in? 2024. This is a, this is a fabulous verse to live by. 2024. We're going to put the first half of it up there again, Curtis. None of these things move me. Let this be your motto for 2024. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Praise God. This is not original with me. Uh, I actually saw Tim Edwards, you know, Tim and Jamie Edwards, our missionaries in Southeast Asia. I, uh, I saw Tim had posted this on Facebook yesterday. Uh, he said when he got up on New Year's Day, he, 2024, he immediately thought of this verse, Acts 2024. 20, I think that's beautiful. I think it's a great motto for us all to live by in the year of 2024. Amen? Praise God. All right, so let's, uh, let's keep reading here. Uh, Verse 25, and indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. He'd spent over two, close to three years there in Ephesus. He'd poured his life into those people. And and we see he'd really, you know, they had become dear to him and he had become dear to them. Um, Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. This is something, uh, an interesting statement that he makes right here as well. Look at what he says back in 26 for a second. He said, I testify to you this day, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Now, Amen. do you know who, this, who Paul was before he became Paul? Who was he? Saul of Tarsus. And what was he engaged in? persecuting the church. He had, he had the followers of Jesus killed, but he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus changed his life and to such an extent that he can say, now I'm innocent of the blood of all men. See, God washes away our past. God washes it away in the blood of Jesus. And he said, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. From that standpoint, he could say it, but he's also speaking from this, this standpoint. He said, I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. He's thinking about, I believe, he's thinking about what God spoke to Ezekiel. Because in, when God spoke to Ezekiel, I believe it's in Ezekiel chapter 3, and he said, Son of man, 
he said, uh, if you see a wicked man in his wickedness and his evil, and you don't warn him, and he dies in his sin, he said, I'm going to require your blood, his blood at your hands. Now, if you see the wicked man and you warn him, and whether, what he does with it is up to him, but if you warn him to turn from his wickedness, then he said, the man's blood will be on himself. I won't require the blood at your hands. So Paul said, I'm innocent of the blood of all men because I have not shunned. And let me see what the margin of my Bible avoided. I have not avoided to declare to you the whole counsel of God. See, we're all going to stand before the Lord one day and we're going to give an account if we did this or not. Did we avoid declaring the whole counsel of God? Now, again, the Bible says that those who are called to a full-time ministry that will be judged by a stricter standard. James talks about that. But every one of us, whoever God leads us to go to, and if, if we refuse to do that, or if we say, oh, well, they might not listen to me, or we make an excuse, we may have to give an account of their blood. God may require it. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you're going to, not going to be saved and you're going to hell, but it means that you'll have that on your conscience, that you didn't warn that person or tell that person and share the gospel with them. And um, I don't want that on my hands. Amen? And I know you don't either. He said, I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And that's what we need to do is tell people the whole counsel. Amen? Oh, Jesus is love. And then you leave it to people to define what that is. Oh, well, love is love. I mean... You know, if I as a man want to love another man and be married to another man, Jesus is love, love is love. There's a woman the other day who said she was in love with a tree. Romantically, sexually attracted to a tree. Well, where are you going to go? Where does it end once you, once you break the connection, once you reject God's standard and that says marriage is one man and one woman. Once you reject this, then, then that's what you're going to end up with. You're going to end up with all kinds of perverse and, and, and insane things. It, it, there's no end to it. No, no. We need to tell people the whole counsel of God. Amen. The whole truth of God's word. Amen. Praise God. All right. So he says, uh, therefore, verse 28, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the elders of the church of Ephesus. But notice what what he says to them. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd or pastor the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So these elders were the pastors because he's charging them with fulfilling pastoral ministry here. For I know this, he says in verse 29, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So watch out for people that want to uh, make disciples uh, follow them instead of pointing people to follow Jesus. That's a sure sign right there. 
Verse 31, therefore watch and remember that for three years, and so he makes it clear that he was there three years, that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You, didn't know, you knew that statement, but you didn't know it was a statement made to the elders of the church in Ephesus, did you? Fits in with Ephesians here. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. And so that's the last contact that Paul has with the believers in Ephesus. So he, so he leaves there, he leaves Ephesus, he sails away, gets on the boat, and he sails away, goes to Jerusalem, he's arrested there, finally ends up in prison, house arrest in Rome, and from there he writes a letter back to the church in Ephesus that we know and that we have as the book of Ephesians and we don't have time to read any in the book of Ephesians tonight, but we'll get there next week. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed this background and this setup uh, for, the, for the book of Ephesians. We're going to dig right into it um, next Wednesday night, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. I believe it's going to be a wonderful study. Praise God.